What's that saying? What a difference a day makes. Indeed it does. What a difference a day makes. Just yesterday, Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th President of the United States. As incredible as that may sound, but it's true, he was sworn in as the 46th President of the United States. And so many things have happened in that 24-hour period that it boggles the mind. I thought that all the problems and all of the disharmony uh, that pervaded the country solely because of the presidency of Donald Trump would all leave as soon as Donald Trump was gone. But on the contrary, what do we have? In the city of Portland, that great bastion of liberalism, we have riots on the part of Antifa raging. And where are they protesting? Democratic headquarters. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three ways. For you iPhone and Android users, simply go to your respective app stores, the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, or Google Podcasts, as they've now added a special one, and simply Search for NPO Podcast or NP Online. You can download that way. You can subscribe that way. And this way you'll always be notified as soon as a new episode is uploaded. If you prefer, for whatever reason, not to use your native podcast app, simply go to those Play Stores and download the free Podbean app. Podbean.com is our hosting service. And you can subscribe that way. You will also be notified automatically. Whatever way you choose to subscribe, it is free. All we ask is that you please um, give us a review, give us a good review, even if it's one or two lines, because it helps the show be discovered in the search results when people search those stores looking for new content, uh, and uh, that will help us in a big way. Like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash national preview online. And if you'd like to see the show expanded in terms of live interviews or even recorded interviews being done, perhaps the addition of a call in line for some live podcasts that we do, uh, we would very much uh, like to bring that to you. But all this takes money. And until the show grows where we're getting advertising revenue, uh, we sometimes need a little help. We established a GoFundMe campaign. You can find the link to that if you scroll through our posts on our Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online. And we will soon include that link on our website, nationalpreviewonline.com. So you can go there and find it just as easily. Look, we are not looking for people to donate hundreds of dollars or even $100 or even $50. We are very grateful if uh, the followers that we do have and the people who like our page would uh, bless us with a $5 or $10 donation. You'd be surprised how quickly that adds up and how easily it is then for us to purchase advertising on the internet, which will help us further expand the show. But right now, to the issues of the day. Now, the things that were happening yesterday are really beyond the pale. One of the things I, I want to get to right away, even before I get to the riots, is this Chris Wallace character. Now, I never liked Mike Wallace. He was a leftist piece of garbage, he was a drunk. Uh, and I thought that his son. Uh, was cut from different cloth. But I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Chris Wallace has revealed himself, not simply to be a leftist, but a part of the swamp, 
the establishment, because the swamp, the establishment, isn't simply the politicians in Washington. It's the politicians in Washington. It's those uh, in the intelligentsia that think they know more than the rest of us in the news media and academia. And Chris Wallace is right in there. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of why. When you make statements that are clearly incredible, you reveal yourself for what you are. Now, all right, he's an anti-Trumper. He doesn't like Donald Trump. Fine. A lot of people didn't. 75 million people love the man, uh, myself included. But come on, when you make the statement, as Chris Wallace did yesterday on Fox, that I've been looking, or listening rather, to inauguration speeches, speeches since 1960. That would be JFK. 1960. Well, technically it wasn't 1960, Chris, because JFK didn't get sworn in until January of 61. But we'll get what you're talking about. He's been listening to inauguration speeches since 1961. And yesterday's by Biden was by far the best I've ever heard. Now, you've got to be kidding me. This is a man who doesn't even know where he is. And we know that uh, from inside his own campaign. We'll get to that in a short order. You're talking about some pretty heavy company. You're trying to tell me that this speech, which I did not hear, but I read the transcript of, and most of the sentences were three and four words at a time. You're trying to tell me that this speech eclipsed the oratory skills of John F. Kennedy, who was one of the pivotal presidents in terms of marking of the new era from the old era, and a very gifted speaker. Ronald Reagan, a former actor who was one of the best political speakers this country ever saw, especially with a prepared speech. The darling of the media, Barack Obama, and everybody else in between. This inaugural address by this man whose, whose mental faculties are waning by the week by the month, by the day. This was the best. Now, when you make an incredulous remark like that, you reveal what you are. So, Chris, keep those incredulous remarks coming because we were all pretty much pre-committed on the point of view that you're a traitor, uh, that you're, a, um, you're, you're no unbiased journalist. You definitely had an agenda. You exhibited it when you moderated the first debate, which was an abject failure by any standard you care to name. So keep making these incredulous statements because you're only cementing your place as a member of the left. In fact, you really should bail out of Fox News and go to CNN. Maybe perhaps you don't, because Fox itself is lurching more leftward, which is why I proudly announced on the show yesterday that as of 12 noon, I deleted the Fox News app and Fox Business app from both my iPhone and my tablet. So I don't follow it anymore. And that's regretful, because since I regrettable, rather, I should say, because since I have to comment on the news, uh, I do have to look at those sources from time to time because you can't comment on what other people are saying if you don't know what they're saying. But I no longer want them uh, on my phone as my personal news source. So if I need to access Fox material, I'll do it proactively uh, on my computer, but I no longer want their uh, ads, their alerts, or anything else coming from them blowing my phone up every five minutes. So they're gone. Now, yesterday, 
the day of Joe Biden's inauguration, uh, according to news reports, far left activists, far left activists, did you get that? Far left activists, not far right, vandalized buildings and clashed with police in the Pacific Northwest, specifically Portland, Oregon. Uh, They were out there protesting their opposition to government, law enforcement, and even to new President Joe Biden. Some of them carrying signs that read, quote, we are ungovernable. It says, in the city of Portland, black-clad activists with their faces covered broke windows and glass doors at the Democratic Party of Oregon business office. They spray-painted an anarchist symbol over the party sign. Video posted on social media showed. Some of them tipped over garbage containers and lit the contents on fire. We don't want Biden, they said. We want revenge for police murders. Those would be, um, in 95% of all the cases, these murders they're talking about are justifiable use of lethal force against people who are engaged in criminal activity or threatening people's lives. Uh, We want just revenge for imperialist wars. A little check that, Antifa. Uh, You might want to check with um, Barack Obama on that. Maybe George W., Bill Clinton, who was in Kosovo, George W., who was in Iraq. Uh, But not... Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't get us into any wars. Donald Trump got us out of wars. So if you didn't like imperialist wars, maybe you should have voted for uh, Donald Trump because we're sure to get into another war now with with Biden uh, in there. And fascist massacres. That was on a banner that they had marched under. Others were carrying that we are not ungovernable sign. Uh, Portland police supposedly confronted a crowd gathered outside the Immigrations and Custom Enforcement building near downtown with the crowd later burning a flag in the street. The protest, supposedly, according to KATU News, was billed as a demonstration against the Biden inauguration and law enforcement. Now, weren't we told that all these problems were going to disappear as soon as Donald Trump was gone? That Donald Trump was the source of all the unrest uh, in the country, uh, all the angst in the country, and that once the bad orange man was gone... Everything would be beautiful. But yet at one point, demonstrators were approached by Portland police officers on bicycles with some of the group taking an officer's bike and throwing objects at retreating police. Eight people were arrested, it said, on charges including rioting and reckless burning. Okay, they want no cops, no prisons, no borders, and no presidents. That's the way to run a country. Just don't run it. Have anarchy going on. It's incredible. And this was at least 150 people, uh, some of whom were seen carrying the flag of the far-left anarcho-communist group Antifa. They participated in these events punctuated by violence and destruction, according to the news report. Now, this is amazing. All these people dressed in black, completely trying to hide their identities. Uh, Eight of them were arrested. They were revealed to be members of far-left groups like Antifa. We also know that there were far-left members, Black Lives Matters, involved in the breach of the Capitol. So this is very interesting. All of the anarchy was supposed to disappear because it was all because of right-wing militias and things like that. Meanwhile, throughout Trump's entire presidency and through every rally he had in his campaign in 2016 and his campaign this year in 2020, there was never any riots, never any destruction of property at any of his events. Uh, On the contrary, uh, members of of his support groups 
uh, usually cleaned up the place after they finished. Nobody engaged in anything. The only thing they could point to is this Capitol riot, and we have new information about that. No fewer than probably half a dozen news agencies are now reporting. The Washington Post, among them, USA Today, the New York Times. No, forgive me, not the New York Times. The USA Today, I, they may have, but I can't, um, I can't verify that yet. Um, BuzzFeed. Uh, these things were planned in advance. These news organizations now admit that the storming of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th was planned weeks in advance. Weeks in advance. And even if you didn't know that, on the day of Donald Trump's speech on January 6th, when the electoral votes were being certified, the storming of the Capitol, the breaching, had already begun before Trump had even finished his speech. I think even before Trump began his speech. So if the article of impeachment against Donald Trump is based on the assumption that these things took place at the Capitol solely because he incited the crowd and he told them to do this after he specifically said, let's all walk over to the Capitol and peacefully protest in a patriotic manner. They're running out of steam fast because these news organizations are now clearly providing evidence that these things were done weeks in advance. So any notion that Donald Trump orchestrated this or caused this spontaneous eruption by virtue of anything he said on January 6th is a patent falsehood. Now, beyond that, we have another issue. And that issue was raised by Alan Dershowitz, as I said on yesterday's show. It was reiterated again uh, all, uh, by Lindsey Graham on that show and others. And I'm going to say it, I hope for the final time, but probably not going to be for the final time, but I can't say it any plainer than this. You can't make something that it's not. The Democrats are hoping that they can impeach President Trump, not because they want to remove him from office because he's already gone, but because they think they can somehow come up with some perversion of the impeachment process whereby Trump will be permanently sanctioned or prevented from ever holding federal office again because they're deathly afraid of this man, this man that they say didn't win. They're deathly afraid of this man uh, running again and being elected again, should he decide to do so. But unfortunately, that's not the purpose of an impeachment. It could be the purpose of an impeachment if it was affecting someone who was a sitting president. Now, let's take Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon uh, was going to be impeached by the Senate and the Congress for allegedly covering up actual crimes related to the Watergate break-in during the election of 1972. Now, that would be high crimes and misdemeanors, what they tried to impeach Bill Clinton for. Now, had he been convicted in that impeachment, I would say that the Senate would be within its right to not only remove him as a result of the impeachment, but to declare that he is now, as a result of his impeachment, uh, forbidden from ever 
holding federal office again, especially the presidency. But what happened? Even though there were crimes there and Nixon covered them up, Nixon resigned. He resigned to spare both himself and especially the country the embarrassment of going through the impeachment. So he took it on the chin and resigned. What happened? Did you see any impeachment? Did you see any impeachment of President Nixon? Any attempt to make sure he can't hold federal office again? No. They let it go because they knew they had no authority once he resigned and he was left to live his life quietly in in California, I believe, is where he was living. Well, the same thing, unfortunately, should be happening here, but it's not because the Democrats think they can go forward with this. And for all his nonsense about talking about unity, stressing unity yesterday, Joe Biden could create unity tomorrow. Do you really think it's going to create unity? when 75 million Trump voters, who already are pissed off because they believe the election was stolen from them, and there is ample evidence, we'll get to that in a second. You think it's going to create unity by trying to impeach this man? If you think you saw a riot at the Capitol building on the 6th, that's going to pale in comparison to what you're going to see if they try and impeach this man. And Joe Biden could stop it tomorrow. All Joe Biden would have to do is call Chuck the Schmuck Schumer into his office and say, listen, Chuck, this is nonsense. I have to protect the office of the presidency from abuse of the impeachment process. This is not legitimate. Forget the first impeachment was also not legitimate. This is really, as Lindsey Graham called it, a scarlet letter impeachment. He could stop it tomorrow and say, listen, you cannot go forward with this. It will splinter the country. It will fracture the country. You're going to give me a hell of a time in my first hundred days trying to put down a rebellion if you try and impeach this man. He's got 75 million people behind him. Forget it. It's over. He's out of office. Leave it alone. That's all it would take. But he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that because I don't think he's calling shots. I don't think he's, he's uh, cognitive enough. That's what's going to happen there. Still, Alan Dershowitz, the Harvard Law professor, stands ready to defend Trump. So I don't think we're going to have uh, an impeachment. If they do, I think they're making a big mistake. Now, several times uh, over recent months on this show, I have told you that if for some reason, however it came to be, that Joe Biden managed to find himself in the Oval Office, that he wouldn't be there long because it was clear that he was suffering from sharply reduced mental capacity, and that decline would only get worse with the passage of time. The only reason why Joe Biden was nominated was because he was the only vanilla, quote-unquote, quasi-safe alternative. Kamala Harris had to drop out. She couldn't even get a vote. She couldn't even win a single primary. She dropped out before the first primary. Nobody would contribute any money to her campaign because she was a far-left radical that had no chance of being elected. And that was that. Bernie Sanders, likewise, was a far-left radical. He had no chance of being elected. And that was that. They bought him off and they brought Biden back from the brink in that primary in the South and all of a sudden he's back. But they never wanted Biden as president. So they put the most radical person they can find that checked all the other boxes. First woman, vice president, well, 
not the first woman vice president nominee, Geraldine Ferraro, had that um, uh, distinction, but they didn't get elected. They got trounced. They lost 49 out of 50 states against Ronald Reagan, her and Walter Mondale. But Harris filled another box. Not only was she a woman, she was a minority woman. And now that they're in office, she's the first female vice president and the first female minority vice president. She's the one they really wanted. She's the one that Barack Obama wanted because she is an uber leftist. And I told you that Joe Biden was the real reason why Nancy Pelosi was floating that idea about the 25th Amendment against Trump. They knew they had no chance of getting that done. I'm not talking about the dubious flirtation they had with it uh, last week when they tried to get Pence to take Trump out uh, before uh, they would resort to an impeachment. I'm talking about when they floated it back in the fall. That was good campaign fodder, but there really was a, a subliminal reason for that. They were looking to see how quickly they think they could get Biden out of office so they could get Kamala Harris there. And lo and behold, in of all places, Politico.com, we see an article that already seeks to plant the seed about the cracks, the fissures appearing in the Biden uh, persona, the Biden brain, the Biden mental acuity, all things that the mainstream media and the uh, establishment left tried to deny. Uh, Biden was perfectly competent. He was fine. Let me read this little tidbit for you. This article called, Writing a Speech for Biden Can Be Hell. And that was before the inaugural. Joe Biden paces as he dictates long portions of his speeches to aides, spinning out thoughts that quickly pile into six, seven, or eight paragraphs of copy, only to later be scrapped. On the 2020 campaign trail, he'd keep groups of supporters waiting inside, while he'd hole up in a black car with aides, refining lines of his prepared remarks. Revisions go up to crunch time. It isn't uncommon for a staffer to be scurrying to the teleprompter with a flash drive just before an event is to begin. For higher profile remarks, he'd obsessively rehearse portions until he committed them to memory. And at times, through the various iterations of outlining remarks, Biden could grow downright ornery. Of course, you would have to rehearse them uh, obsessively because when your mental faculties are failing, you really got to drum it in there. Quote, I would never say this. Biden once snapped at an aide, aghast over the prepared marks he was reviewing. According to a person in the room during a speech prep session last year, where did you get this from? The aide explained that Biden had just said it in a public speech a couple of weeks earlier. He couldn't even remember that he had said it, that the remarks this staffer had prepared for him were remarks that she had taken from a speech he had given a few weeks earlier. Such are the hallmarks and unpleasantries that are the sausage-making of speechwriting with Biden. Whether it's his second stump speech on the same day in Michigan or a nationally televised address, there are few tasks in politics that Biden takes more seriously than speaking. And perhaps the struggles he had with speech in his childhood explains why. Well, I got news for you. I don't know what troubles he had speaking in his childhood, but he's got trouble now in adulthood. Anyone who watched those debates and watched him with those deer-in-the-headlight eyes trying to go, is this guy, this guy, you're wrong and you attack me. He looks like a feeble old man 
And he looks that way, ladies and gentlemen, because that's exactly what he is. And believe me, once the 100-day honeymoon is over, you're going to see more and more articles and things leak out about Biden's reduced mental acuity. You're going to start seeing the Democratic leadership in Congress remarking on it. You're going to see more and more revealed about Hunter Biden and his laptop hard drive and his problems with his taxes. And all of this is going to slowly build in a crescendo until they make it impossible for Biden to stay. And for the good of the country, he's going to have to resign and then hand the reins over to Kamala Harris. Now, I had speculated weeks ago on this program that I thought that it would try and have Biden hang on for two years and a day. Because the Constitution says you can only serve two terms, but it does say you can serve 10 years. So it means that if you were a vice president for less than 10 years, I'm sorry, less than two years for a previous administration, you could then fill out the balance of that term from that person, and then you could run for two consecutive terms. And she's about as radical as they get. I would think 10 years of a Kamala Harris presidency would finish this country, but I doubt very much that will happen. I can't believe they'd reelect her, not after what she's going to try and do. I can't believe they'd reelect anybody after what, they, what they're going to try and do in the first two years of this administration. But that's what's coming. Just a question of when. If Biden's de- uh, decline is even faster than I expected, I don't think he'll make the two years. And it looks like that's going to be the case. So they may try and just go for the two-term thing, uh, let her finish out his term and then try and get one on her own. But I don't think that's going to happen. But there's a couple of other things I wanted to get to before I close out the show today. You know, I've been watching these people now that Trump is gone, and these people on the left are really sick. They're talking about that people like us need to be deprogrammed, that Trump was a cult leader, and that the people who followed him were part of a cult, and they've been brainwashed. And it's cults are very, we all need to be deprogrammed. We've all been damaged by, by, by Trump. You know, I guess that's the new tactic on the left. When your opponent is infinitely more popular than you are, the best way to try and deal with him is not to try and challenge or or rival his popularity, but simply say that his popularity really isn't popularity. It's just a cult, and people have followed him as a cult. It can't be, really, that people are for strong borders, that people are for energy independence, that people are for America first. It can't be that people are in favor of less government interference in their lives, that they want lower taxes so they can keep more of their money and give it less to the government to redistribute to people who don't deserve it in the first place, like people who are here illegally, and then encouraging people to come here illegally. It can't be that any of that is true. It must be they're following him because he's a cult leader. And they're just dupes. And this is because Trump is making stupid remarks. Trump is talking about voter fraud. There was no evidence of it. There was plenty of evidence of it. You weren't allowed to see it because the news kept covering it up. And as far as these stories that all the courts threw things out, I advise you all and challenge you all to go and do some research on the Internet and try and find how many of those cases were thrown out by courts because they really looked at the evidence and deemed it unconvincing. You're not going to find it. Those cases were thrown out 
for a variety of convenient reasons. Supreme Court famously said that Texas had no standing. Uh, It's not timely. It's too late. You're time barred. Or uh, the wrong party has been named as a defendant. You have to sue somebody else. Oh, sorry, time's up. You can't do it. Nobody weighed in on the evidence. Because if this evidence was so unconvincing, how is it that the legislatures in the states of Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia were driven to fury and even sent alternative slates of delegates to Washington? They didn't do this all on speculation. To say nothing of the fact that the mathematics of all of this, as I've explained to you many times in the past, does not support what happened on Election Day. It simply cannot have occurred. And so we come to what this is all building to. Something that I told you was coming. Something that a lot of people have resisted over the years. And it was spoken about again today on virtually every political talk show. But I'm telling you, it's been now reached a point where it's more real of a possibility than it's ever been in my lifetime. And that is a third party. But not, once again, a third party in the way you're thinking of the third party. The objective of this third party is not going to be in addition to the Republican and Democratic Party. It will be in addition to the Democratic Party, but its objective is not to be in addition to the Democrat and Republican Party. Its ultimate objective is to displace the Republican Party because the Republican Party has failed. All of these Republican politicians are now bemoaning Joe Biden stopping the Keystone, the Keystone pipeline uh, that had been instituted by Trump and all uh, of the jobs that, that was creating. Oh, he can't do this. Well, if you're really that worried about it, if you're worried about the direction the country may take now, you should have fought harder for Trump when he tried to make his case on fraud, but you didn't. You all abdicated because you thought about your future and you couldn't stand the man because he wasn't part of the swamp. He couldn't let you ch- carve the world up a little finer for yourselves. Well, here's the deal. I told you before, for years we all held our nose and voted for Republicans that we didn't want to vote for because the alternative was unthinkable. I voted for that piece of garbage, Mitt Romney, only because I couldn't bring myself to vote for Barack Obama. I even voted for McCain, that drunken fool, uh, and that's what he was before he got captured and tortured. He caused all kinds of problems in the Navy. He was a real uh, maverick. I respect that he served, but aside from that, I'm not a big John McCain fan. He's been a thorn in the side of Republican presidents. He was for George W. Bush. I was not a McCain fan, but I voted for McCain because I was a Republican, and I'd rather see McCain in the White House than see Barack Obama. But now, with this studied neglect of the plight of the man who brought the Republican Party back from the brink and actually made it his party, and started, or should say capitalized, on a, on a growing dissatisfaction and formed it into a movement of which he became the leader. It is clear that the Republican Party is worthless. It's no longer a choice of liberal against conservative, Republican against Democrat. It's really a choice of a party whose objective seems to be to rebuild America because they can't stand the way it was founded. They think it's an unjust country, that would be the Democratic Party, versus a party who is not going to stop the decline of America, but is just going to try and slow it down and forestall it as much as they can. But they're really not going to try and make us great. Well, 
if it's a question of a rapid death or a slow death, uh, I think I'll just go for the rapid death and get it over with. So rather than have to have a choice between a slow death and a rapid death, a third party is going to give us a choice between a rapid death and a, and a, and a rebirth. So I think that is what you're going to see. And the man who's going to do it is going to be Trump and his family. What it will be called, how it will come about, I'm not quite sure. But I think it will be done rather quickly because President Trump made great leaps and strides in four years as a president in the face of overwhelming opposition from both the media, within his own party, and the Democrat Party. And yet, as we highlighted yesterday, he restored the military. He lowered taxes. He got us a vaccine in a record nine months by eliminating regulation. And he got peace accords with the Israelis with five different Arab nations because he circumvented the Palestinians who've never wanted peace to begin with. That was always the stumbling block, having to include these damn Palestinians in it. Now look, I know the Palestinians aren't happy that they don't have their own nation, but they never had a nation. They were a nomadic people. The Israelis were given that land after World War II. The Brits gave up the land. They were a recognized nation. And they've done wondrous things there. And they're the only bona fide democracy in that region. And they're an ally of the United States. And we should support them. And if we can help achieve peace, that's good for everyone. And Donald Trump did it. And he did it all without firing a shot. He didn't send a single man or woman abroad and didn't get us into a new war. He only brought troops home. To say this man was off the hand, was out of, out of control and unstable is ridiculous. If that's unstable, let me have excess of it. I want it all. We're going to have a third party in this country, ladies and gentlemen. That third party is going to be started by the Trump family. And it's going to be bolstered by a Trump media company, which is going to obliterate Fox. It's time to understand where we're at. This is warfare. Big tech wants to tell you what the truth is. There was no election fraud because big tech says so. Trump is a cult leader. His followers are cult members because big tech, big tech says so. Facebook won't allow me to post certain ads because they say, you're making political statements and it's not based on the truth. The truth according to who? According to you? So anyone that agrees with you is telling the truth and anyone who doesn't agree with you is telling a lie? I think not. The Trump media group is going to explode everything. Meanwhile, we can add two companies to your list uh, that you should no longer patronize. Kohl's, department store, and Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, Kohl's is okay. I liked Bed Bath & Beyond. We're not going to support either one. Why? Because they've decided that they're no longer going to allow Mike Lindell's My Pillow to be sold there because he was a Trump supporter. So the left is taking names and exacting revenge. I think it's time for us to do the same. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. We're 75 million strong. We start bringing our economic purchasing power to bear on the opposition. You'll see what kind of change you achieve. People react very quickly when it hits them in their own pocketbook. Remember that and use it. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury. Thank you.